It's so good to gather with you guys today, and um, I'm excited to continue on uh, this series uh, that Pastor Scott's been doing called Jesus. And um, but first, I do want to share a story with you all, and uh, it's actually my story of my one and only time I've attempted to be a gardener. It was back in 2014, and uh, my grandparents, growing, when I was growing up, they always had a little plot in their backyard um, that they would plant things every year. They had their garden. And every year, my grandpa, he would have the ground tilled, and, you know, they would pl- we'd get to plant lots of different things. I mean, we had tomatoes, snap peas, green bell peppers, and that year, I said, I want to try growing jalapenos. And uh, let's just say they did not turn out to be so good. Um, but that spring, my grandpa, he kind of took me under his wing, and he's like, I'm going to teach you all that I know about gardening. And so I got to, to work with him, and we kind of readied the plants. We got the seeds, you know, the plants that have already, have already sprung, you know, they're growing and everything, planting them in the ground and all that. And, uh, and as the weather got warm, that's what we started to do. But sadly, my grandfather, he had a stroke. It was in the, early, in the middle of spring, and uh, he was no longer able to help me out. And so my parents and my aunt, they, they helped me plant the garden. And uh, that whole summer, as, as gar- if you don't, haven't ever gardened before, you find out there's a lot to keep up the garden. It's not just you plant a seed and say, it's good. Uh, it took weeding and my soft musician hands were not, they did not handle it well. And even at, at, at that age, my back would hurt from being bent over and pulling all the weeds. I didn't do it properly. You're supposed to be on your knees. Um, but I, I ate every time I went to weed. I'd have to make sure that the fence that was around the garden, that little bunny foo-foo wouldn't sneak in and eat all of our good vegetables. They always loved the strawberries. That was their thing that they would go for. Um, but I had to protect the garden. And then, of course, there would be, it's summer in the Midwest, so maybe we'll have rain, maybe we won't, and that was the summer that we didn't have a lot of rain, so I would go over and get the hose and just spray the water over so that those plants had nourishment. They had plenty of sunlight, I, I don't have no control over that, but they needed water, and uh, that summer I learned of the difficulties. I learned the difficulties of being a gardener, that it's not an easy job. And how imperative it is that the seeds that I planted, that they are nurtured and they did not go unattended. And I think any farmer uh, that hears this right now would agree, yup, you got to take care of your crops. So as we dive into God's word today, we're reading through uh, a parable of Jesus, and it's the parable on the sower. And my hope is that we can, instead of just, oh, yep, this is a story I've heard time and time again, my hope is that we can step away today from this story with a fresh perspective, that you know, we can catch, maybe there's a new meaning that we haven't caught before from Jesus's words. So let's bow our heads and pray together as we dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for this time as we spend a a few moments in your word today, um, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be um, honoring to you, God, that as we look to you, um, we can look for guidance and encouragement. Lord, we love you and uh, pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have made it to Mark chapter 4, chugging along, and um, we're going to be focusing on, again, a story of Jesus, a parable. And uh, if you would like to go through the Bible in, your, in the pew, uh, it's page 1557. I just saved you all a few minutes trying to find the book of Mark, uh, but 1557 is where our story is at today. And 
to kind of just give you just an idea of what's going on, where, where Jesus is at. Um, we just finished with Jesus talking to his, his family, and then it's, you know, it's Mark, so everything's kind of the Cliff Notes version, so it's literally like, and then Jesus did this. So, Jesus is, he's gathered with a crowd by a lake, and he decides to get in a boat so he can be a little more elevated, and, and he just kind of plops down on the side of the boat so that he can teach and the people can see him. And uh, if you've gotten, gotten to the passage, I'm going to go ahead and read it to you, and the words will also be on the screen, um, but it's always wonderful to open our Bibles together. So, uh, he begins this passage in verse 3 by teaching the parable of the sower. <clears throat> Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly. And because the, sallow, the soil was shallow, uh, but, then, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him to, asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Mark 4, 3 through 12. And we'll finish the story in a little bit. But we can look over these passages from uh, 1 through 20, and like I said, we'll get to the rest here in a little bit. But we can separate this story into three parts, and I've, I've labeled each one a different part. And so we start with, in Mark 4, 3 through 9, the story, the parable that Jesus taught. And it starts with this farmer is hard at work. He is sowing his seeds, and we read that he scattered the seeds. Now, when I'm reading through Scripture, it's, and some of us, we, we like to find out the context. Well, I wanted to find out the extreme context and find out why was he scattering his seed. <clears throat> and as I was studying this, my, my vast experience in gardening kind of came into play too because I always thought planting was you walked over, you dug a little hole with your trowel, plop a seed in, cover it with dirt, and that's, that's planting. Like, that was in my head how you plant. And so, that, that's what I always thought it meant. But in researching this passage, and of course using the great Google, I looked up what does it mean to be scattering seed? And there's actually a term to it. Um, it's called broadcasting. And I found this absolutely fascinating. You might not, but I found it absolutely fascinating. But why is this important? Why does it matter that we know that the seed was scattered? We see that right away, this is Jesus. He's thinking through these things as he's sharing them. Right away, Jesus is finding common ground with those that he's speaking to. He's finding the common ground with his audience so that they can engage more with his teaching. Because we can look at that, that day, people in that time, would have included farmers. They would have been gathered, you know, walking along the lake, and they see this guy in a boat talking. Or maybe it would have been the farm hands that were just working on the farm to make a day's wage. They were, they were being able to be spoken to. 
So moving on, we read about how the farmer is sowing seed placed in four different locations. We read about along the path, amongst the rocks, in the thorns, and then finally in the good soil. Now, where the seed fell impacted the seed's future. It affected its outcome. And three out of the four, as we read, did not go so well. As Jesus finishes telling this parable, he ends it with, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And I always thought that was just a really good corn pun, whoever has ears. Anyway, that was a bad joke, sorry. Uh, But as we read on, I'm a youth pastor, I have to sneak in the puns every now and then. But as we read on, just because the people had ears doesn't mean they understood what Jesus said. And I think that happens to all of us sometimes when we're, we're reading His Word. So we're moving along, and we make it to verses 10 through 12, what I have dubbed the hinge, the part of the book, the spine, that as we're going through a story, holds it all together. And as we turn the pages, these verses, 10 through 12, separate the story from the explanation, the story itself, to the explanation. And it also contains one of those those instances where we're reading Scripture, and we scratch our heads and say, what are you talking about, Jesus? What does this even mean? Now, the crowd has dispersed. They've all gone about their ways. It's just Jesus and His disciples. They're hanging out, and they ask Him, teacher, what does this parable mean? Because they're scratching their heads. They're like, we got ears. We heard. What in the world does this mean? And Jesus just rolls on with some of the confusion. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And while this may sound comforting to the disciples because they're like, hey, we've been hanging with Jesus. We should know what this means. He, uh, they know what this means. They were still just trying to understand the parable. Like, okay, God, or Jesus, you're saying we have the secret. We're still trying to understand what you just taught us. They're trying to understand. And they're like, good, we at least know what the secret is given, but we go on. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may may be ever seeing, but not perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Well, is anyone else saying, what did Nate just read? That's a little bit like Dr. Seuss. They may see, but they won't perceive. They may hear, but they'll never understand. They might turn and be forgiven. What? <laughs> when we envision Jesus, which now that we're all, most of us have watched The Chosen, our view of Jesus is this really nice guy that we get to, to hang out with. He's warm and fuzzy and occasionally tells a good joke. Um, and we see him as a man. We see him as a man on earth. And this is who Jesus was at that time. And while we all have our different ideas, because we know of his invitational nature, We know that He welcomes sinners, that He welcomes the children, the outcasts, the tax collectors, the women, the teachers of the law. Jesus talked to everyone. We know this, and He shared the good news with everyone. He didn't discriminate. Jesus shared with everyone. But here, what He states is a little hard for us sometimes to wrap our heads around, and He states that only a few will know the true secret of the kingdom of God. Those that truly take up their cross and follow Him, those that walk, that walk the road that Christ called them to, forsaking their old sinful life. What does this mean? What about those that only maybe listen? So there are those that listen, but don't 
put, into, put his call into action. They choose a partial faith life. Maybe they don't live out that faith life. Those Christian in name only or the cultural Christian, their ears, they get tickled by what they want to hear. They just hear the good stories on Sunday morning or they listen to a podcast because that's a way just to hear the word. But they don't decide to unpack it for themselves. They just take it at face value. What God is saying, are they digging into what God is saying? And they never take that faith life on for their own. They let other people live it for them. They can't hear God, and when they don't hear God, they get frustrated because they can't, and so on and so on. The endless cycle goes. Self-reliance becomes the mode of operation because I can't take care of my own needs. But Jesus steps in because he always does, just like on the show. Jesus always just appears at the right time, and in our lives, Jesus always appears at the right time, and he says to us, you're relying on yourself too much. You are killing yourself, and if you just open your life up to me, you'd realize that I have what's best for you. When we read passages like this, and I got to be honest, this, this one was a hard one for me to chew through as well. When we read passages like this, we lose sight for a moment of that warm, fuzzy, lovable Jesus, and instead we see our stern middle school teacher telling us, this is what you need to know, and we see a stern teacher who doesn't overlook our shortcomings, and they call us out and say, hey, here's where you're failing. Um, Scott gave me a good book to read while I was preparing this, uh, pass- this message, and it's this bit from Mark Galil's book, Jesus, Mean, and Wild. And it states this, Jesus is not simply being mean. It's referring to this passage specifically. He's not being mean. Like, we might look at it and be like, wow, Jesus is kind of being a jerk today. He's not. He's not being a jerk. He's not being mean. He's doing something that we all sometimes need. Jesus is not simply being mean. He's telling the truth. And some truths are stern. Some truths are sobering. When someone is in danger telling the sobering truth can be the most loving thing one can do. That's one to, to, to write down and hold on to. Telling the sobering truth can sometimes be the most loving thing one can do. Where in our lives, this is to us, where in our lives do we need to sober up so that our hearing it isn't impaired to hear God's voice, that our eyes are open to see that God is moving, Sometimes we look around and we're like, I don't see it. I don't hear it. It's always the I don't feel it. Because when we do that, when that does happen, when we open ourselves up to him, we get a glimpse of what God is up to in our lives. And others, just like the woman at the well, we're going to want to tell everybody what God is doing. While those three verses, and you probably didn't think, wow, Nate's going to spend most of his time talking about three verses they pack more punch than we realize. It's one of those that we tend to gloss over sometimes because it's confusing, and we're like, got the parable and the explanation, which we're going to get to in a second. But it's important when you are reading Scripture to not gloss over the hard parts. The hard parts are in there for all of us too, not just the easy stuff, because we get to read of God's goodness and His faithfulness and love for us even when it's hard, and it's the truth. So let's continue on. As we finish, Jesus explains the parable of the sower. So we get to part three, the explanation. And this is one of those times where 
I believe Jesus shows great compassion for his disciples, and we don't know exactly where in his ministry this story exactly comes from, but could assume it might have been pretty early on. So they're just, you know, getting used to different. They're getting used to Jesus's style. And when I was preparing for this, all I could think of was when I was in high school and I was in algebra, and I was terrible at algebra. It was you know, those math books, they have that whole back section where all the answers are at. So it's like, okay, x squared over da-da-da-da. Okay, what's the answer to that? Jesus does that for the disciples. He's like, let me open up the book and let me explain it to you all by giving you the answers. So we're back into the Scripture. This is verse 13 through 20. We'll finish out the story. So then Jesus said to them, with so much love and not anger at all, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Okay, he's being a little bit snarky there, but we love Jesus. So in verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So just let's unpack this passage together. Right away, the farmer is God. He represents God. The seed is his message. And where do we hearing the story fall in? We are the land. We are the earth. God is broadcasting I brought it back around. He's broadcasting or he's sowing his word out to all of us, kind of like how some of us might have been putting salt out this morning, just walking along. God is sowing his seed everywhere, not being stingy, throwing out the word so the whole world is covered. And some of us are like the seed on the path. Now, in some translations of the Bible, instead of saying Satan, it, it carries on the idea of the birds, but um, not saying that birds are bad, but Satan is represented in the birds, and they come and they take away the seeds. And the seeds on the path, they represent people who hear the message, but it is immediately lost. And that might be, you know, in our context, it might be someone that in your life they know of God, but they've never really taken the time to, to dive into that and have a faith life. Then moving along, we have the seeds on the rocky ground, which represents people who respond with initial enthusiasm. That might be that, that new believer, um, but the Word of God doesn't sink in. It doesn't sink in deep. And then that persecution or hard time comes along, which in the story is represented by the sun, comes along and they give up at once. And that's that faith life that, again, might just be I'm a Christian on Sunday and maybe throughout the week when I go to church again, but not living that life out and living, and it's, no, we're not expected to live with enthusiasm 100% of the time, but they don't let that faith life go deeper. And we move on. Third are the thorn bushes, choking the message of God. It is heard, 
But people's concern for riches and their worries about life cause the plants to die. And I, I would imagine for some of us, sometimes we feel like we're in that area. And I, I think of the thorns also just as sometimes we get a little more calloused towards we hear people being so enthusiastic about God and, and living a, a, a strong faith life. We, we become callous because maybe over time we've been like, maybe I, I haven't been hearing God as much lately or I haven't ex- been experiencing God as much lately. And so the, the thorns tend to grow in our lives. The weeds tend to grow in our lives. And finally, we get to the good soil. And that represents people who hear the message and live it in their lives. And uh, as I'm reading this story, the first thing that comes to mind, this is the nicest way for Jesus to tell us all we're dirt, <laughs> that we are the dirt. And as we know, reading in Genesis, God created man from dust, so it's a nice little tie-in back to the beginning of the story. We're dirt, and that's the most in, like, encouraging thing I can tell you today. Uh, we're not dirt, literally. But what matters is, as dirt, what state are we in? What state are we in to receive God's Word? Are we like a path that is well-trodden, that is, that is flat, where the seed can't get into our hearts and, that, and they can't grow? And so what happens? Satan comes along, a situation comes along, and it gets blown away. Satan comes along with his little beacon, picks it up, and says, nope, not today. You're not going to hear about God today. And Satan overtakes us in our lives. Or are we excited about what God's message is? We're excited about the good news. But again, we don't let it sink deep. Living a shallow faith that doesn't allow any roots to grow, when those roots can't grow, a hard storm comes along in our life and the seeds are blown away. What plants maybe we do have get blown away because we don't allow the roots to grow deep. And are we overgrown with thorns? Like I said, are we allowing the callousness in our lives, or maybe the worries that we have. And we sang about being, God being faithful and not letting our fear overtake our lives. Maybe the worry that we have in our lives, we're letting it overtake, and it's letting other things take priority and be more important, that we have more desires to accomplish that are our own desires and not God's. So the people of the good soil, which we all hope we are there, Um, The people of the good soil are living a life that is ready to receive God's message. But how did they get to be good soil? That's what I wanted to really think about. They had to go through some trials. Maybe they had to be flat land for a little bit. Maybe they had to have some weeds in their lives. They had to go through some trials for that soil to be recognized by God that he's going to till us. He's going to work through us so that we can be sown, that we can be sown deep by his seeds, that we can grow roots deep in our faith. Because the soil, it can be filled with nutrients like wisdom and knowledge gained from studying God's word. And when we allow those nutrients to come in and the seed can grow in the sun because the sun is always there and it fills us with all these things. And when we are filled with those things, we're no, we're no longer, it's no longer seeds, we become crops, which will produce seeds that will produce seeds for more crops, and it goes on and on and on. One of my favorite seed quotes, and you probably didn't come into church today thinking, wow, Nate's probably got a bunch of favorite seed quotes. This is the only one I have, um, but this is my, one of my favorite quotes. We'll go that direction. 
is that God, God sees the oak, the oaks in the acorn. You probably didn't know, and one more little nerdy thing today about there's not just one tree that's going to come from that seed. It's going to be multiple. That oak is going to get planted, and it's going to create another tree and another. When God plants his message inside of you, when you hear it and receive it and internalize it and let it be your guiding light, it has the ability to change the world. And something that I've been really, as, as becoming a parent and recognizing, that it's not just affecting me, that it's affecting my kids, and it's affecting their generation. Those are the seeds that God has planted in me and are growing. And I may never plant another garden again. I think Christine would probably not allow it because it's hard. Kudos to you that do it. I'll gladly, you know, last summer I think Warner brought over. Did anyone else get all of Warner's green beans and carrots? I was going to say, we ate green beans for like three weeks. It was fantastic. Sorry, a little sidebar. There. I will never be a gardener. I'll capitalize off of your guys' goodness. Um, but I know what God has called me to, and he's, he's called me to share his word that I would be sharing of his goodness. And the thing is, is he's calling all of us to that. It's not just a pastor's job. It is the people's job to take the good news and share it with others so that those seeds won't get lost in the wind, that they won't get lost in the thorns and the rocks, that good soil will be tilled in Fulton, that good soil will be tilled around the world so that when those seeds do get broadcasted. I had to bring it one more time because I learned it. Those seeds, the good news gets broadcasted around the world and get to be planted and grow, grow more plants and more seeds and on and on. That is God's plan. So folks, let's go plant some seeds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we're able to, to spend a few moments in your word um, Lord, I think of your goodness that you would share the good news with us. That by the sending of your Son, we get to have stories like this. Stories that sometimes we gloss over because it's one we've heard a number of times. But Lord, that your desire is for us to dig deeper that, Lord, you would be tilling the soil of our hearts so that we would be able to receive your good news, that we would be able to share it with others. And, Lord, I pray uh, just in the next few moments as we spend singing of your goodness, singing Cornerstone, we think of the foundation that we have in you, a God that loves his children, a God that wants his children to know who he is, and children that would be sharing of your goodness with others. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty, precious name. Amen.